Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to not another fight pass. Again, I am missing my coach, Mr. Campbell. And we have today with us from all the way from Liverpool. And can we step back from the mic a wee bit, Chris? Can you back a wee bit? Oh, wait, there we get a lot of feedback. And I have with me probably one of Northern Ireland, if not Ireland's, more prominent mixed martial artists, a guy who now trains in Team Cap, one of my personal friends. Well, not another fight cast, but how are you? I'm uh, very, very good. So let me just adjust this because I can't really see that. There, there we go. Yeah, I'm good. Um, chilling in lockdown, so I'm not really doing much to be honest, apart from gaining weight and losing cardio. Yeah, welcome to my world. I've tried to increase <laughs> my cardio because I've been out, been out on the bike, obviously, for your in inverted commas, one exercise size a day, spent a lot of time on the bike or spent a lot of time alone with a kettlebell to try and sort of stave off this fucking burgeoning weight gain that I'm doing. Just, it's not, it's too hard though to train at home, you know, home is my place to relax and enjoy and it's away from the gym and away from the hard work and then I get here and I go, oh, should I run or should I lie on the sofa? Hmm, it's I'll lie on the sofa. <laughs> so I find it hard to train at home. This is just fucking weird though, isn't it? Like the whole lockdown, yeah. quarantine. Just fucking weird. I'm not saying it's not real. Obviously, it's fucking real. There's a lot of weirdos <laughs> out there. You said it's not real. Uh, conspiracies. Yes. <laughs> 5G! 5G gives you... <laughs> not, not upload it on their 4G phone. Yeah, and these, these are people who are sitting at home fucking sniffing glue and telling me that 5G is bad for me. Piss off. watching YouTube videos, as Rogan says, watching those YouTube videos with a little bit of glitz and glamour, and they go, Yes, I believe that. Like flat it earth. Has to be. Flat earth, come on. <laughs> yes. Okay, I've got a flat earth society t shirt on oh, for a, obviously this is going to be uploaded in audio version and onto YouTube. So I've got a flat earth society t shirt on for anybody who can't see me. And underneath it it says flat earth followers or believers all around the globe. Well done, flat earth. That was a <laughs> that was an actual quote from the flat earth society yeah, on Twitter. Fantastic. Wonderful. Absolutely fantastic. So Yes, it's weird as fuck all this. I'm sure you can't be itching to get back into trading. Um, coming uh, off a win on Pro Bellum there only a matter of weeks ago. Uh, fantastic MTK show, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So if anybody doesn't know who MTK are, MTK are a boxing promotion primarily, but they're branching out now into mixed martial arts. Yeah. Big boxing promotion. They got Tyson Fury and everything, so they know what they're, they're doing. They, oh, they're absolutely outstanding. Well, Matthew Macklin uh, in general was a great boxer himself. Him... He was one of the toughest guys around until I saw him fight Triple G and that left hook to the body. Oh, that Triple G, though. That's like that's like yeah. saying, yeah, are you fantastic until you fuck Canelo? Uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. So it, it, I'm not saying he wasn't fantastic. He is fantastic, but that was, to me, the coming out party of Triple G because I thought, well, yeah. you know, all these stories about him. Yes, I've seen him. thought he was good, but we'll see how he stands up against somebody like Matthew Macklin. And you went, oh, shit, he's a real deal. Yeah, different level. Yeah, so that's who MTK are. MTK are a great, big, gigantic British promotion, ultimately Irish-British promotion, and they're focusing now on mixed martial arts as well as boxing. You fought recently on one of their shows in Pro Bellum. Where was that? That show was in Liverpool in the uh, Aventum Olympia. Um, used to hold the iconic, you'll remember this, I don't know many people will, um, Cage Gladiators, yep. and then that then changed to OMAC, as well, Olympia, mixed martial arts, and mm. then obviously the same venue's been used for the Pro Bellum show. Yeah. Who, what was the name of the fighter you took on? The guy's name was Samuel Blasco from yeah. Spain. 
He was a he gigantic was... scary man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Because I looked at him and I thought, Jesus Christ, he's 70 kilos. Yeah. Oh, he my was... God. I saw the t- a picture. Like, you're not a small lightweight by no. any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. It was his neck. His <clears throat> neck was here. And I was like, how can he, he be lightweight? Did... He, he didn't really have a neck. I think his neck would have made lightweight alone. Oh, Jesus. <clears throat> big, yeah. big guy. Strong as well, though. Yeah. Like, not just show muscles. Like, even when I was wrestling against the kids, he just kept pulling my chin up and put, lifting me up with his underhooks. And I thought, Jesus. Strong. Yeah, he looked like a complete and utter animal, too. I didn't really get this. I saw the finish. Obviously, it was a great finish for you. Really, like a choke finish. Yeah. Uh, really nice, very, very slick finish. You're normally known, though, in mixed martial arts circles. For somebody who hasn't seen you, who's been living under a rock in British MMA for the last 12, 15 years, for having such a, a really good level, high level of striking all across the board. Is now the grappling something you're working more on, or yeah. what? I mean, it, it always it always been something that I did enjoy, and then, to be honest, I kind of got in a rut with it when I was younger, so... I felt like I wasn't learning much more ground or not even if I wasn't learning. It just, I didn't enjoy it as much. I did at the start and that's why my first amateur fights are all, all uh, sub finishes. And then I just, I kind of find my groove with striking in. Like I find my little niche and I was able to use strikes that I'd learned like unorthodox strikes and that many people use and you know, jumping stuff or the way you flick your leg into your kick, you know, things like that. And I thought, wow, this is just like, this was my new world. Yeah. And then I kind of not neglected the grind. I still enjoyed it and still trained it every day, but it, I just didn't have the same passion for it. And then up until a few years, going back until I fought um, the year that I fought Paul Redmond, I'd like, because I hadn't had a, <clears throat> fight, a fight in a long time, so I wasn't training to fight. So I was just training to better myself and to yeah. understand martial arts. So I fell back in love with grappling around then, around the year before that or so, that I just really loved it. Yeah, you've actually fought some of MMA luminaries, Paul Redmond being one of them. Like, genuinely, you look at your record, it's Sammy Schiavo, Paul Redmond, Rich <laughs> yeah. Clemente. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, people will say, right, holy shit, this, look at the guys that you have fought. I know we're starting at the back end here, which is, you know, you're, 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 your last fight ultimately, and then we're sort of working our way back. Who's been the toughest guy that you have faced overall? In terms of a fight or in terms of the training for what do you? Uh, a fight, competition day. Who's been the toughest? Uh, the Irish OG himself, Greg Lockran. Yeah. The OG, Greg. Is, you can't mention both. One of you now, if I mention Chris, I got to mention Greg, and I mentioned Greg, I have to mention you. That fight was... Ah, that Absolutely fight haunts me to this day. Haunts right. me to this day. Let's let's tell you what. Why don't let's get into that now? Let's go. Okay. How come that haunts you? So me and Greg, we were one of the first. I would class as like second generation fighters. So the first class being like the Davy Patterson, Tom Lamont, John Cavanaugh, the first guys to do it, mm-hmm. and then the second generation I class is like their their older students, myself, Greg. Aidan Marin, you know, all all people like that, so all the who kind of had a complete game and you wanted to really test themselves. So back in the day, me and Greg were obviously fighting and very active, not only in the Irish scene, but in the in the UK and the European scene as well. I'd fight pretty much anyone. 
So there was always this who's better, who's better. And for whatever reason, the fight never occurred. Like, I'm sure he'd been offered many times and I'd been offered many times. And obviously politics, Irish MMA was a thing. And going back all those years, it was, it, it wasn't easy. So anyway, years had passed and then Cage Contender offered me the fight. And I said, yeah, straight away. I couldn't believe it. And this was, both when were relatively uh, fresh. You know, we, ha- we were in the later part of our career, but with a lot more experience and our bodies were still good, I think. So I took the fight, but two weeks before the fight, which uh, I hated, is I tore my MCL. Um, and because, obviously, because of who it was, and I hadn't fought for a while, and this is the fight that, that Ireland wanted to see at the time. You know, it's been talked about for 10 years prior. And I thought, you know what? I'm not pulling out of this fight. So when you actually watch the fight and you see me walking after him, you can see me walk with my left leg and pull my right leg, even from the start. And I've never wanted a rematch, but that's the, I don't believe in rematches. Only rematch I've ever, ever, ever wanted. And that's not to take anything away from Greg because I said he's an OG and he's a proper fighter's fighter I've seen him I've seen him be dropped on his ass get up and turn the fight around and win so to me Greg is fantastic but it's just that one fight that I probably should have put it out from which I never did and it just kills me (laughs) that's one of the things that people don't see about fights they witness the actual act of the two competitors taking place, the two guys or two girls fighting, but they don't realise what goes on behind the scenes. And everybody has gone into a fight injured, although that injury particularly would be one of the ones where I would suggest that you shouldn't have taken the fight. Was, yeah. I mean, you're known as, yeah, you're known, your striking ability. First of all, if you can't plant your right foot correctly, you're, yeah. you're, you're an orthodox fighter, so you have your right hand cocked to throw. You're not going to get any hip torque into the straight right. You're not going to get any hip torque into the kicks. Well, that's why your you defense... didn't see any kicking. That's what, you yeah. might have ever seen a fight without me kicking. Never. Exactly. After you one kick that whole fight, and that's yeah. why. And it, then it just basically turns into a boxing match with four-ounce gloves on. And yeah. Greg was always known as a very heavy hitter, proper heavy he hitter. And Greg could throw with the best of them, as we saw him putting down Eddie Alvarez in Strike Force. So, or sorry, Bellator was the first ever Bellator. Bellator, yeah, Bellator, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, he nearly, he could have virtually done a Seth Petrocelli there and destroyed <laughs> an organization. Yeah. Um, so, like, he was known as well. What you said was about him being a fighter's fighter. Yeah. You're exactly the same. You're a fighter's fighter too, because you will take fights that other guys would just be like, uh, I'm washing my hair that day, or my granny <laughs> needs her dog walked, or some bullshit excuse to get away from that. I never have. As, do you know what my record says that as well, though? Do you know, it's, it's, I used to get offered, here's a fight, here's the best guy in Europe, and I'm like, two weeks, I'm like, yeah, what do I sign? Because I know I can beat him, but let's fight it out the smartest, <laughs> let's be honest. So oh. that's where you got to have that guidance to say, probably not the best time. Let's see if we can take it on the uh, on six weeks notice or, or whatever, you know. Yeah, I also do think back in those days when you were, you were being offered fights at a very, let's just say, short notice time, I think people were basically picking you. Yeah, of course. At, a, at short notice for the yeah, simple reason is, I'm not going to give him six or eight weeks because... Six or eight weeks of Chris Stringer means this guy ends up losing his consciousness yeah. and yeah. memory for about a week after, you know, because not even were... not even if even if you go even you go to distance, you're getting caught up. Yeah. You're... 
and nobody wanted that at that time. So yeah. I think that a lot of people cherry pick you. I'm like, oh, we know Chris will take the fight, but we are not going to offer him at six weeks out. We're offering him at three weeks out. And then you know what? I, take it. I, yeah, looking back, you know, it's um, 100% true. And I, I was used as a gatekeeper. I see that for for uh for uk mma and even european mma that yeah i'm not stupid i I do understand that i've seen this okay if you beat him he's kind of the guy then you go next to ufc or bellator or one of the higher yeah. levels because you've got like someone like him not being big-headed but i do think it it was an easy use as a stepping stone for a lot of people yeah i I believe that 100%. And, and genuinely, I, I was one of the people who witnessed that happening to you quite a lot. Um, and it didn't it didn't stop you from coming in and putting on great performances, which is one of the main reasons why you were so sought after. Because if somebody booked Chris Stringer to fight, Chris Stringer came to fight. It wasn't yeah. like you came to try and <laughs> eke out a decision or run no. away. or you know. <laughs> That's and not it, happening. I'll, what my... Uh, idea that would be is if anybody hasn't seen you fight is to go and search for the Greg Lockeran fight look out for what you said as his injury to the right leg but watch the fight we discussed before um, that fight is like an industry fight as well guys and girls who are in the industry go holy fuck what a fight that reminds me of Dominic McConnell and Dan Abrol yeah belter fight absolutely belter fight also Greg and Dan Abrol as well Uh, (laughs) clipped him in the first shot Wow, the crowd went mad. I'll never forget Great that fight. fight. Yeah. So you are now, you're back. Let's just say you're back. Um, obviously, this fucking mutant virus has derailed that ever so slightly. There was a Pro Bellum show booked for Belfast in June. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now that's on the shelf. Um, do you yeah. think there will be another Pro Bellum show this year that you'll get on? Hopefully. Um, I think we have a good relationship obviously and um being back and fit and healthy i don't see any reason why i wouldn't be um, to yeah. be honest and as i said it's the good thing with him is it's not like an exclusive contract or anything at the minute anyway so if it's you want to fight you want to fight if you don't they're not sticking a gun on your face you know yeah no that's perfect um just that selfishly i wouldn't mind getting to see you alive again fighting and i thought belfast would have been the optimum sort of arena for you to do that was there any name mentioned or no i even up until the last one i didn't even find out who was fighting um coach always said there's, there's a couple of options there's two or three fighters and that i don't like to dwell on it to be honest so i don't even like to watch footage of people who i'm fighting so if they say a name i'll go yeah cool and if not it means no difference like i believe i'm a coach you'll look or you'll plan a game plan or well, the training will be structured in a way that'll it's going to be for you, you know what I mean, yeah. without actually be saying it. So I don't like to think about any of that. You are being coached now by what? What? Who are you being coached by now? Colin Herons. I really wanted to get um, as an as coaching, I suppose, exclusively as well. That's the phone call. 
especially him, have you seen with that level of, of fighter? The only and one I would suggest, suggest as close as SBG. Yeah. But, but SBG has been a long time. Yeah, that's true. But again, that's as soon as Connor broke through, the rest got through. This was call was way before that. Yeah. Terry and the Taylor and the Sass and Adam, you know, just there's so many guys long before MMA, even before MMA got big by MMA yeah, too. Yeah, even before that was popular, you know, Connor and Ronda obviously exploded mixed martial arts onto yeah. the world scene in a massive, massive way. As a, a second explosion, it's like a second wave, talking yeah. about this fucking yeah, horrible yeah. virus. They were a second wave because if you remember the Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bonner yeah. wave, everybody jumped on that. And then there was the Connor Ronda sort of wave. Um, and I think that, as you pointed out, the guys like Paul Sass, Terry Adam, uh, Scanlon as well, yeah. obviously, and now further into the new generation of that beast that is Darren Till, and also <laughs> that other fucking monster of Mike Grundy. Grundy yeah. Oh, man. We've dear. just got to kill his kill. Honestly, right, Jim is known for, for hard spars and, and tough training. And you get through that, and you burned your stripes. That is literally an absolute monster. And you know what? There's even guys in there who don't fight, and that's the reason I moved. So long story short, I moved over, or I went over for a fight camp. The amateurs beat me around the place, and I was like, "Oh my god, these aren't even pros." So I was just like, "If they smash me at amateur level, the pro level is just next, you know, yeah. next level." So I thought, okay, if you want to take it serious. You gotta go. And that was yeah. It. That was that, I, I was going to ask you about the move initially. Um, obviously, training in Cabon now. There's a lot of people making the jump from Ireland in general to Liverpool. There obviously has been a great yeah. Irish Liverpool connection throughout history, and there always will yeah. be. Um, industry shipbuilding and stuff like that. And now we have a, a different connection through combat sports. And you're seeing guys like Mendigas Gerva, yeah, uh, giant heavyweight who I was big bastard. <laughs> <laughs> What? What? How does it actually exist? How does that Eastern European era or something? It must be. I don't know. (laughs) Living too close to Chernobyl or something. Uh, There's no other answer. He is enormous and and, and talented heavyweight who was training over here, who I had a very, very minuscule input into his coaching a long, long time ago. Um, You have now a lot of guys um, who have traveled over to train. You have Sammy. Tufts, you had obviously Kaelin and Knight here in Lachlan who are both moved over to excellent fighters from here. And you've obviously had guys like Carl McBlain um, travel over to complete camps and train out there too. And who can forget Ali McLean? And Sam McLean. I mean, the gym is just not the same without him. No. Is he not there now at all? He, no, he is. Yeah, obviously with the with the lockdown, no, he's he's oh, not yeah. just going to chill. So he's he's went back home, and obviously we can't train anyway. So, but um, do you know, Ali's just been a massive part of my not even MMA career, just my my life journey. To be honest, he's been there since he was fifteen, a little fat chubby kid. He came into the gym, he wanted to suplex people and hit people, and then he discovered what MMA was, and um, he's a he's a really good trainer partner really good friend as well so Aloy's crazy and Aloy yeah. has absolutely no social skills and how to interact with people he would literally do anything for you though I mean he's such such a great guy yeah I how can you not like him though he's a, very funny <laughs> he's a really really funny guy and he was doing some coaching when he was staying back here in Belfast and had some input with him then Brilliant coach. coaching. Fantastic. his level of 
knowledge, specifically mm-hmm. in grappling, was very, very high. And I put that yeah. down to the likes of Colin and training with Paul Sass and, and Terry yeah. and other guys in Cab On too, because Ali's game went through the fucking roof. His game was massively changed, from what I remember. Massively changed. One day, I remember he, he got injured one day, and I can't remember what it was, but he was off for a couple of weeks. So he sat and he watched Deep Half Guard and over and over and over. So we we went to spar, we went to roll or something, and he jumped guard. And I can't, obviously Ali's a big guy, he knows that blast doubles is his signature move. So first of all, he shocked me from jumping guard, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Pulls deep half, and I was like, "This is not going to happen." I'm going to underhook and stop that. Whoop! Sweeps me, and I'm going, "What? What is going on?" And then he kept doing it over and over and over. And I was like, "You lit!" And he, because of the way he's been taught, brought up taught obviously call showed him they've been drilling it in his head and then after that he spent a lot of on not just his grappling obviously his mma game but his level of understanding for grappling from training with calls you know and the break and just all the high level boys it's mm-hmm. it shows like he's an absolute killer on the floor he was incredible well, he is incredibly highly thought of here um amongst guys who have trained with him me included I, and i remember mark curry and i training with him a few times and I'm just strangling the fucking <laughs> life out of me thinking yeah, that oh, head squeeze, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm doing okay yeah he's not getting me with this this is oh <sighs> shit it's too late the minute I thought he's not getting me with this it was like it was too late I could just about reach out and off the top he's, brilliant. he's setting you up and you don't think especially being that big and that you know a big lightweight that muscular you yeah. think he's gonna play jiu-jitsu or play grappling you know what I mean no. but and then if he wants too late. to catch you in the kimura he's setting it up already and then you're going oh he's just gonna squeeze my neck next thing bang you fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. he gets very frustrated with him what's it uh carbon as we've talked about look at the guys here there like mma luminaries really of great britain what's yeah. it like being in the gym with the likes of mike grundy and of course darren hill um <laughs> everyone's a killer um it's like a murderer's road to be honest but Grundy's wrestling is something else, but to be honest, Till's Till you think Till's just a striker. Till's an absolute monster wrestler as well, which not a, a lot of people have ever seen. But he hits so fucking hard. I've never been hit as hard in my life. We've heavyweights there, I'd say big Mindy. Yeah. And it's a different it's a different snap when he hits you. But you know, training everyone there in the gym is there to train hard. So we all have a mutual respect and understanding. So after um after we've done it you know we all have a laugh and we all have um banter together but during training it's it's almost like laser focus everyone as soon as training starts no one's sticking around everyone's yeah. just there to train and train hard and it's almost like a, a military regime you know it would remind you of anyway because mm-hmm. you're laughing and joking first and as soon as you mean it's like all jokes are off and then once we finished and then we go back to the band too. Yeah. Uh, that must have been something to be a part of his training camp for the Woodley experience. The wrestling? With, yeah. Uh, or sorry, with uh, the UFCPI. Yeah, it was amazing, um, to be honest. So we spent a couple of weeks out in the PI, and then the last sort of week, the fight cut week, or fight mm-hmm. week, was um, in Dallas. So that was unbelievable. The f- facility there that the UFC have is unbelievable anything you can think of it's there and obviously doing our whole camp there for till was a fantastic experience really yeah. really good 
uh, the P. We actually discussed this um, on one of the last podcasts. I was with Jack, and we were talking about the UFC PI. And my view on the PI is that it probably is there to enhance every fighter's performance to be a fighter. Yeah. Do they have anything in place to assist people who are maybe, let's just say, struggling mentally? I don't mean with the fight game, but I mean outside of it. There's a, like a John Jones now who's yeah. getting blocked and shooting a gun off. <laughs> you well, know, he's a fucking, he's just a gangster. He really is. <laughs> he he just, just doesn't care. Why, why will he not embrace that? I fucking dislike the man because every two minutes he's bu- puking a Bible verse out onto the onto the Twitter. Well, and he's... Think- Tyson it up and just accept the bad guy. Just accept it. Yeah. Own yeah. it. See if you own that, I guarantee you he'd be a lot happier because it's in him and he's not letting it go. He's trying to contain it and then it's it's spewing out in some other way. You know? It could be to do with his upbringing. You know, it could be like he's always been a nice guy, or maybe his parents are nice or whatever, and then it's maybe it's out of character for it. Maybe he grew up in an okay place, and maybe it's out of his character to, to start acting like that. You know. You don't know. Maybe he's obviously trying to fight it himself. Could be an yeah. internal battle. But do, does the PI have? You can maybe answer this because you've been there. Does the PI have like a psychological uh, support network that they use, or is it just listen, guys? This is made here to make you a good fighter. Honestly, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I was there, there was there was a whole massive like area dedicated to recovery, and not just for your body as well, like that. Believe that that no, they had everything. They had sticks, had machines. They had uh, you name it. If you thought it would help in any way, shape, or form, it was there. So I imagine they probably do, but I don't know. Because I was just thinking with a guy like John Jones. He is a classic fucking example that who really needs this. And the only man <laughs> who gets what a fucking punishment. He gets house arrest whilst oh, in an international well lockdown. <laughs> really? I mean, he must be a star in Albuquerque. Come on, you got to use yeah. that to your advantage. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I, he pisses me off so much because he's so talented. But we just yeah. see him, like, yeah, pissing this against the wall. We think, um, but. If he just owned the bad guy, if he was just like, you know what, I'm a bastard, fuck it. You think he's he's the goat because of that, though? You know what I mean? It's not, like, do you reckon it's that balancing act because he's so unhinged almost? Do you reckon that's because he's a wild man in the gym as well or in training and fights? Is that a I think personality it, has trait? it has to be. Like, and I would suggest he is incredibly selfish to be that good. Yeah. You yeah, have to be. You have to be. Yeah, you have to be. So you're. The PI with uh, Darren and obviously Mike was absolutely unbelievable. But there's been, you've fought some, as I pointed out, some cracking fights to start with. Touched on the Greg fight and your injury leading up to that. Um, you also fought on, at the time it was Europe's biggest mixed martial arts show, which was called Cage Wars, which was a Belfast promotion with mm-hmm. my brother Johnny. If you haven't heard of Johnny Burroughs, go back and listen to the podcast archive. Living legend. <laughs> Fucking the only man to destroy a podcast while eating the most effeminate food ever. Fucking quiche. Oh, you did, Johnny. Uh. He and ate a quiche on the podcast. Funny man. But um, so Johnny and Patty had a great deal of input into Cage Wars, and you fought one of mixed martial arts greats, genuinely one of MMA greats on that, Rich Clemente. What was that like? 
Um, good and bad, to be honest. It actually wasn't supposed to be me to fight him, to be nope. honest. It was, it was Pete. It's Pete Peter was Duncan, the original, yeah. yeah. He was the original fighter, and we were training one day. Uh, he hurt his leg. I can't remember exactly what happened, but he broke his leg or his foot, and he tried to train on through it, but it was too bad. So Paddy came to me, and he said, do you want this fight? I was like... <laughs> I was already signing him a name, you know. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <sorry>. yeah. <laughs> and, um, in terms of the fight, I'd good and bad because that's what that's what made me move over to Liverpool because I've seen how Terry fought him and Terry wrote the blueprint to beat him. And Terry didn't have any wrestling at the time and he kicked him across the place. So I thought, okay, let's go to that gym and, and you know try and emulate that. And that's what brought me to Carbon. Then in the like the first round, I thought I won the first round. To be honest, like I, I was like striking him, round. I thought I was moving. Yep. And even the commentators thought, like when he went back to his corner, he was breathing heavy. And um, second round comes out, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm loving it, I'm living it up. And then I catch a kick and I sweep him off the kick. And as soon as I sweep sweep him, I hit the floor though. He reverses me and he ends up in in mind. Um, this is where this is where I lost the fight. This is where I thought, oh my god, Rich Clemente sitting on top of me in mind. And instead of like trying to push his hips or push his knees to slide into half guard or push the hips, the buck, I just held on. I just grabbed him by the waist and kept my head tight not to take any damage. And I let that moment get to me. And that's a moment that has defined that fight, but also it plays on me as well. For, for that, that freeze, froze in the cage. And yeah. never forget that. Well, I remember actually, whenever that happened, Clemente was facing where I was. And he looked. And he looked. Yeah. He was smiling, but I think it was more of a smile of relief. Yeah. <laughs> because, in in fairness, you surprised him. I think he was preparing for Peter, who was. A, I don't want to label Peter, but he was more of a grappler um, yeah. than you are, and he didn't expect it. And you started to tune him up a wee bit with the jab and low kicks and moving, mm-hmm. and I didn't think he expected that. And he no, was happy so. to end up. See, when he got into the mud, it was more a smile of relief. He expected to come over to Ireland and yeah. get an easy win and get a holiday out of it. And instead, he was like, oh, shit, I've got this dude in front of me. He's beating the fuck out of me. So, <laughs> and if anybody doesn't know who Rich Clemente is, Rich Clemente once beat Anthony Rumble Johnson. Scary, that, isn't it? Scary yeah. Thought. So, it, it's, uh, that just shows you, as I said, you to start the caliber of fighter that you have fought and have been standing across the cage from. Um, tell us about, you won the European ISKA belt as well, didn't you? I did, yeah. I did. Yeah. That was held on Clown Wars. Um, Four-man tournament, so old school. Mm-hmm. Um, not the amount I do like a tournament, I will be honest. I started off my career doing those. So, it, originally, it was supposed to be um, Norman Park and somebody else, but Norman got injured, and then they brought in Decky Larkin, mm-hmm. uh, obviously another old school MMA guy, and then Miles Price would already signed, I think, and then a Danish guy, or Swedish, one of the Scandinavian countries, um, mm-hmm. absolute giant of a guy as well, um, ended up fighting, who did I fight first, fought Miles first, mm-hmm. had a little game plan, obviously keep him on the fence, pinned, um, didn't want to waste any energy, obviously because I wanted to get through the final, so mm-hmm. game plan, keep him pinned, little strikes, keep faking the takedown, let him defend the takedown, no interest in it anyway, mm-hmm. just literally ride that, that first fight out, mm-hmm. and then second round was our second fight, was, um, um, what was his name, Aaron Johnson, Aaron Johnson or something, Hanson, mm-hmm. something like that, 
So just go out and fight them after that. And uh, yeah. did that, went out, fought, started striking them. Uh, I don't know how he ended up on the floor, but I remember reversing them. And I remember hitting him with a knee or a kick to the liver, and I could see him start to buckle a little, and he was getting tired. And I thought, oh, I've got this. But then as soon as I went to strike, he shot, and I just, I've got a strong guillotine. I just wrapped that, and I was like, that's mine. Two fights, one yeah. night. That's a great way. That is a, a great experience as well, fighting in tournaments. They're not really done all that often anymore. Ah, um, school. I, I know if promoters, if you're out there and you're listening to this, make the fucking tournaments happen again. I, you know what? I, I don't think it's the promoters. I think it's the fighters. Couldn't be. Not a lot of people want, nah, come on, that's old school. Though. Not a lot of people want to fight two, three times in a night. It's tough. It's hard. Yeah. You know, it's not Dave risky Hill, getting cut. Uh, Dave Hill, and a fighter from IFS, who recently made his professional debut there against Hagelaland, which is a cracking fight. You can find it on YouTube under Clam Wars on YouTube. Um, absolutely wonderful fight. But he recently won a tournament in Scotland, and that was an eight-man tournament in Scotland. Yeah. And uh, he said it was fucking great. He loved it again. Again, I think as well, if you're fit and you're confident, the tournament is a way to go as a fighter. And obviously, well, it is the way I look right? at it, the way I look at it is, I mean. When you spar, I don't know about you, but I don't just don't do three rounds sparring on a spar day. You know what I mean? I've probably done eight, nine, ten, twelve rounds. You know, so it's yeah. the same thing. No, yeah, there's no difference. And I think, uh, as you might point out, you can't game plan a tournament. No. What are you going to do? Oh, I'm fighting. You might think, fuck, I'm going to be fighting Dackie Larkin next. I know Dackie's strong in the ground. Dackie is fast as fuck. I, this is what I'm going to be dealing with. And then the next thing, you're fighting some giant Scandinavian dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, and then the Dackie plan goes out the window. And you, you yeah. can't formulate a plan for some gi- no, gigantic Scandinavian because you don't know what he's like. You don't know where it came from. But that was a, a fantastic tournament win for you. Um, you've also had some fantastic other fights wins what's been your best experience so far fuck there's been so many um to be fair that i did like that winning a pro tournament for an ask yeah belt was good that got me fighter of the year as well after that um i've got a couple but they're all at different stages in my career so maybe my first fight ever as well that was against Mm -hmm. owen roddy um back when mma was 50 people in a room um that was that was unbelievable. And then when I fought Tim Estes in Belfast, it's the yes. first time I went three rounds and it was a back and forth fight as well. That was That's a the great first fight, actually. Knew. It was old as well. That's another uh, Cage Wars as well. Another Cage, cage Wars. Wars yeah. yeah, that was another brilliant. Again, anybody who has missed any of the old Irish MMA, I keep talking about Irish MMA history that we talk about all the time on this. And this could be obviously part of Irish MMA history series. It is. Really, we had Paul Murray on, who I class as a generation one. We had Monkey on, yeah. who's a generation one. You, yeah. again, more Irish MMA history. That Tim Estes fight was a cracking fight. First time I'd ever went three rounds, and I'd always question myself if I had the cardio, you know, and the heart to do it, including if it was getting beat on, could I turn it around? And yeah. after that fight, I was like, yeah, I knew I've got this. But I'm- in general, like, go- Spending a month there, you know, for for till fixing. I was like, oh, uh, was yeah. Indeed. Again, I wasn't supposed to have that fight either. No. <laughs> uh, I think I was. I think I was somebody else's fight too. And then I just watched Shavu. I think it was. I can't remember. Was that supposed to be someone? Dan? But someone, because I'd fought 
Shavo a couple of weeks before and he broke my nose. So I had that. And then I started back, back training a couple of weeks later and I broke my ankle and I didn't get it checked. And then whoever took the fight got injured. So then I was like, oh, I'll fight. Broken That's nose, great. broken foot. <laughs> European number one, black belt. When blue belts at the time were like wizards. Oh. Yeah. He thought Blue Belt could fucking levitate and oh they find somebody God. of a different level. He's like he's Harry belt. Potter. Yeah. <laughs> no, those were those were wild days. But that was you were part of a group of people then who were traveling to Holland as well to train. Um with the likes of friend of the podcast and former guest Dan Abrol. Yeah. It was also Colin McKee at the time. <laughs> Whenever yeah. he called his arse turned up the training, Colin was an excellent fighter and a fucking murderous finisher one of the most devastating murderous finishers I've, I've actually seen in mixed martial arts it's great because do you know what as soon as as soon as you knew as soon as he knew someone was hurt he would just jump on with relentless yeah. and do you know what i don't know if it's an absolute killer instinct to finish or he wanted to get the fuck out of that either way that guy had uh, he had such a fucking instinct for it, like he really did. I think he he's one of the ones that he he missed out on a on a better career. But he, he what I say that he travelled around the world, he's fought around the world. So we, you know, we I think I'm sure he's happy with what he's done. And yeah, it's not that. It's the fact I know where he's, I know where you're coming from because I mean I, I've been part of that as well. I grew up doing MMA, and we sacrificed so much and so much of our body that when as we come to the end of our careers that. You know, MMA has now become big, so we were part of the building blocks yep. for that. So you see, in fighters now with big paydays and good sponsorships, whereas they didn't put the groundwork in before the way like the first and second generation did. So I understand that completely. But I mean, some of the best days of my life are from old old school MMA, like in Holland with Daniel and <laughs> and Colin, and you know things like traveling the world, and it's a different. It's a different life. It's brilliant. No, I had this conversation with Paul Murray as well on the podcast. Like, where would somebody like me or you end up in Brazil? It's not happening. Like. <laughs> or Hong Kong or Sweden or yeah. Finland or anywhere that we have been lucky to be and travel to. Especially now. I think I'm fucking lucky you are to travel now because yeah. this pish. Um, but we've been really, really lucky. And I think that if you look back on it, I always do look back on, on it and go, my God, we were like really really lucky to be able to do what we did and i think that you have you you're one of those people that i think you got it better than me i think you had a better grounding than we did and i think that you made more of the early portion of your quick two reasons number one you were a much better athlete than a lot more people of my generation and number two the opportunities were uh more for you i think there was yeah. just mma was opening up especially I think a bit more of understanding then so i'd seen yeah. you guys you and johnny and, and tom and davy patterson and rodney you know go all through those and then i was able to take like little bits from each little thing to become like the next generation almost if you think yeah. about it well it was like you i would describe it like yourself as a second generation um second generation who's still in my opinion now very relevant i think i'm the last one i'll be honest <laughs> i don't think there's many of us fuck you're you right think i think you are yeah all, all about it greg's gone and yeah remember mickey young and aiden yeah, and they're Brilliant. all um even even cavanagh's boys remember the old um 
John Walsh and you know like, yeah Tom Egan another former Tom, UFC yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was the first ever Irish guy to fight in the UFC I think that's one of right. the things that people have missed out on and then and also, obviously not, not many of them left is there I think I'm the last no. one I'll be honest yeah, Dave Roach is retired. I know he's, he's heavily involved in coaching in SBG, which is a great move for him and a great move for SBG um, down south. But as you said, you, you could be the last one. The oh, last sorry, do you know what? No, there's one. Chris Fields. Chris Fields. He's yeah, going to make a comeback. This. Yeah. Just he's his own KF now. And, yeah. uh, where are they? Swords or something, is it? No, it's there in KF, it's called. Yeah. KF. Now he broke away from SPGI, so good for him. And Chris is a lovely he, dude. He hadn't fought for a while, hadn't he? Just seen he's coming back to Cage Warriors. Yeah, he fought in KSW, and then he was due to come back to Cage Warriors. And then obviously, this fucking weird, it's ugly, putrid, poxy virus fucking head and ruined it for everybody. It's not real. What do you mean it's not real? It's 5G. 5G. Yeah, of course it's 5G. <laughs> I just can't. Like, how does that happen to a human being? How does that happen? Ah, the internet. I know. I love the internet, though. The internet's <laughs> I really do love the internet. But then you find there's some dark fucking corner in it that all mm-hmm. these people dwell in. They're living in, in cell pricks, living in their mum's basement. Yeah. You know, be- believing that there's some high-ended cabal running the earth who can just fucking shoot aluminium into the air with chemtrails and then activate it with 5G. Really? Where the fuck did you come to that conclusion from? Stop the world, I'm getting off. Yeah, exactly. Please, fucking abduct me now. Take me take me back to fucking Alpha Centauri or wherever the hell these people come from. Get me out of here. So you had your last fight there in Probellum a number of weeks ago. What's next for Chris Stringer? It was the next Probellum 2 in June. So that's been put on hold. I still want to fight. I feel that... I've finally settled in to my game again. I've got over a lot of injuries that I've had, and finally this is time for a comeback. I don't know, maybe '94 or something. Whatever it is, I don't. I, I don't even know if I would call it a comeback for you because you haven't been away. I know it's, it's true. I haven't been away. I've just been postponed, which has been a pain in the ass. Probably the best yeah. way to describe it. But you know, I ain't getting any younger. You know, so it's you know, 30, 33. 33. So you're in. You're literally in your physical prime. Yeah. So you have got 33, physical prime, no injuries, healthy, strong, fit. Feel good, your, I'll be honest, yeah. feel really good. And in your last fight, if anybody didn't see that, can is there somewhere that they can see that? Is it on YouTube? Yeah, or? it's not on YouTube. It is online. Um, can't remember where. I'll find it and post it to you. Yeah, send it to me, and then I'll add a link into this and also into our uh, Not Another Fightcast so True. that if anybody hasn't seen it, they can go and watch it, and they can see how, how physically good you looked and how slick you looked. Um, your fight before that was on Bama, Dublin. Yep, it was um, against SBG guy, uh, yeah. big German guy, Nicholas Stoltz. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. Yeah. But that was one. Of, that was virtually like, if you want, I'm going to use a wrestling term here. That was like a dark match because that took Fuck. place after the show swing fights I knew that was going to happen to me as well funny enough yeah. again so because it was on live TV depending on how early the first fight's finished um, if they need space they'll put that in there before the main event and if yeah. obviously they all go the distance you're after I was like so I had already in fact you know what I forgot about this I had warmed up so they said to me you're on in 15 minutes mm-hmm. so me and my coach absolutely smashing the pad sweat coming on I'm switched on I'm focused I'm ready to go 
15 minutes later, no, you've been pushed back. And I remember my coach going, are you fucking joking? And uh, then obviously my adrenaline was up, everything mm. was up. So then when the adrenaline dump happened, I was like, oh, fuck me. Aww. And then getting rewarmed again, trying to get back up to the same level after everyone had fucked off home as well. It was, that was fun. That's an awful, awful thing to have to do. And it, it, that's something that I don't think people really see in MMA. It doesn't happen a lot in MMA. Um, granted, I'm no. going to point that out. But that's something that happens quite a great deal in professional boxing. We would yeah. see the end. We'd watch the main event of the evening. And then there's three other fights. Two fights, yeah, yeah. Two, three fights, yeah. yeah. And there's these six guys or girls sitting there going, well, this is shit. Yeah. You know, empty arena. There's some guy sweeping up. <laughs> fucking... <laughs> some guy. Putting in like, Coke tins in a bag, and you're like, really, dickhead? I'm trying to fucking make a living here. Um, yeah. th- those are things that don't really happen anymore, but you got the win there again with yeah. against him. So, I mean, that was a tough thing to do. So, we're seeing Good Chris, fight, that, yeah. yeah, on a two fight win streak. Um, new promotion, healthy, strong, fit. Um, before before we actually, we haven't actually touched on your beginnings in mixed martial arts. That obviously yeah. took place in Belfast, and, and you and I were very, very lucky to be in the same gym at the same time. Obviously, yeah. I was coming rapidly to the fucking end of my tether with MMA <laughs> and, and the gym in general um, when you were just starting out. What do you remember about yeah. the humble beginnings in MMA? Uh, I remember starting off in Kung Fu. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it was a Kung Fu gym, and... Um... I remember learning some Wing Chun and then there was a little bit of boxing and wrestling involved as well because you kind of grappled at the end and it was in a, this like above it above a, like an electrical shop in Lisbon this like room literally you could describe it as your bedroom it was above uh, a fucking chippy do you remember the chippy down below oh that's right yeah so I remember that was that was the first thing and I just remember like learning a bit of martial art and going oh my mind was blown because it was like a sequence for everything. So if he'd done this, you could do X, Y, and Z. And if he does this to your X, Y, and Z, you and I was just like, oh my God, the possibilities are endless. And that was just me hooked. That was that was it from training twice a week when I started the like every day. It was I just got the bug, literally bit by a bug. That was actually, in fairness, a really good time in the gym. There was an awful lot of very interesting people to say. (laughs) (laughs) Some people were barking mad, but martial arts in general attracted that sort of person then. And but whenever we, as a gym, basically made the switch to focus more on combat sports, a lot of those strange people—not not strange people, interesting people—they moved on. Yes, characters is a better term. They moved on to different sort of gyms. One of the characters who literally I just spoke to last week or a week, me two weeks ago, who was one of the coaches in the gym, who you will remember, and it's making me smile now, was the living legend, Dave Finley. Oh, I was just going to say, it has to be Dave. <laughs> I'm going to get him on the show. I'm going to I'm going to literally try my best to get the man on the show. He is he is my sporting inspiration. He is a wonderful human being. My God. Do you have any well, Dave stories? 
Oh my! Uh, there was there's just literally so, so many. many. So this little old man come in, hobbled in with glass eye, and I remember he's <laughs> a wrestling coach, and I'm standing there thinking, like obviously I was a young kid at the time, I was a teenager, so absolute dickhead. I'm standing there going, "Are you fucking joking me?" <laughs> and the next thing, he goes, "Right, we're going to warm up." I remember the warm up being grueling to start off with. I was like, "Jesus Christ, he's just trying to kill us here." And then the next thing, we're going to do this, and I can't remember who it was, but he just next thing picks somebody up, boom on the neck, and I just remember going, "Holy <laughs> shit!" And then like after that, like people coming in with like little injuries, and oh, my arms such and such, and he'd be like, "Oh, is that right?" And he'd be trying to rag it and pull it off. <laughs> there's a lot of the stories that we probably couldn't ever no, repeat, and you can't really share. No. <laughs> he was the first person. Do you remember this thing? And somebody showed you this, like, open the yeah. circle. Yeah. And then you got punched. He yeah. did that to me one Saturday. And I had no idea what he kept doing. He kept showing me this and then punching me. And I'm like, this is getting really sore. And he showed me, he punched me again. He goes, why do you keep looking at it? And I said, look at what? And he goes, this. And I looked down and he punched me again. I'm like, stop doing that. Oh, he was, he's just, like, the most outstanding coach I've ever seen. He's still coaching. He is still coaching to this day. He's like yep. the toughest, toughest guy you'll ever meet. As I said, this little, he looks like a little frail old man and he grabs a hold of you and he's got that grandest strength where your arm's going to snap and you're like, what is he doing? He is, he, there were so many, like the cauliflower ear incidents were just things of legend. Um, oh, I, said, don't share, I wouldn't want to share them without his permission because he will come and get me for it. <laughs> I got Sam. Do you want to hear a funny cauliflower story? I um so back training. This was after after this this age, and Ali came into the gym, and Ali's ears had started to go. And obviously, I had got one. And in fact, it was you, you and your brother, used to try and pin me down and give me cauliflower ears because we're that I'm big. Start, Dave. <laughs> so that's where I got from. So so um remember Ali having his cauliflower. And all I could see was a target. No matter what I do, all I would do is hit him in his ear. Continues even after the spot, he turned to walk back to the corner, and I'd run over and go, bang, like ah, like any sign. So now I'm sorry, but Ali's ears look like two potatoes and fetus stuck to the side of his head, and that's it's my fault. That <laughs> yeah, I'm not not going to use the guy's name, but that started because of Dave, right? Um, Johnny started to get a cauliflower ear from rugby and all the yeah. grappling and he didn't really care um, Tom started to get a cauliflower he probably did care a wee bit I didn't get them until very late on in jiu-jitsu my ears could just they were like little tiny malleable moulds they could just flop around they were great there was another guy in the gym I'm not going to use his name but he was quite a good looking guy and he went I can't get those either and <laughs> Did he have proceeded a double I, leg? I remember this. I, I remember it. Was, it was like people were starting like shocked. Horrified. Like, what's he doing? <laughs> Just like ruined them. And there was this ear, this this like abomination was, was left. Purple. Yeah, all purple. <laughs> like the funniest thing, yeah, the most terrible. And then everybody else. Just shut up about them. Nobody, Nobody mentioned it for months because no. <laughs> you knew what was going to happen. Went, oh, I can't get those. Oh, is that right? Oh, that, I just yeah. never mentioned it again in my life. But that was those were like literally some of the best times of my life. Things that I look back on still to this day. As you can hear, 
and see I'm still smiling, still laughing about them because they were just the most like fucking you told people about this shit and that you did it for everyone fun. Looked, they were like everyone look at you going, What's wrong with you? The only people that would understand are people in, in that sort of that circle, that's it. Yeah. And I don't I don't know. Well, I, it definitely doesn't. I would still dick around in the gym when I'm coaching, but I definitely wouldn't do things that happened to me. Couldn't get no, away. With it. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't get away. <laughs> No. You're dumb, that kid. Right? I was interviewing uh, Dave Finley. I'm still talking about Dave here because he's wonderful. Um, he still coaches in ZKJ, which is run by Danny Cornoy. Where's that? Um, it's in Glen Gormley, just in the outskirts of Belfast. Um, he, Danny Core obviously had brilliant fighters, likes of Rowan and stuff like that. Um, Danny Core himself was a world champion in his 50s, I think, um, of karate. Frightening. But Dave's still coaching there. Um, whenever we were, I, Danny was on the podcast. I said, does does he still do the hand thing if you put your fingers out in the mat? And he goes, ah. yeah, he does. <laughs> I forgot that. Yeah. Put your finger, what, mine? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I've had to ask him to stop that. <laughs> I forgot and all about that. you put that. your fingers out, stand on them, and, you know, and you're like, just rip your hand. And those are things he's still doing to this day, which I think is just a, an inspiration to me, an inspirational human being. That's fantastic. But he, actually, do you know how I reconnected with him? I was thinking about, shit, I need to get Dave on the podcast. And I was thinking about him days and days. And I kept getting these weird phone calls, like pocket calls. Yeah. So I was like, I, I text the person back, whoever it is, I've lost some numbers. I'm, po- I'm pocket calling you. He goes, it's Dave Senior. What's happening? I was like, flip sake, Dave. I've just been thinking about you. It's Andy. He goes, oh, brilliant. No problem. And I says, well, I'm going to then message him now and say, hey, look, can you get Skype working? And I'm going to get try and get you on the show. Yeah. Brilliant. But how, what a weird way to interact. Dave, again, another Dave story. And then we'll stop talking about Dave. Um, you, the first Ultimate Fighter. Do you remember watching the first Ultimate Fighter? I do. Back in the day, first Ultimate Fighter. I'd completely finished in mixed martial arts at that point, and I was just sitting at home, lying at home, um, watching the Ultimate Fighter. My phone rings, and it was Dave. So I just answered the phone, and there wasn't even a "Hello, Andy. How are you?" It was just, "Are you watching this?" Like, <laughs> and you always go with yeah. and it's like this psychic moment yeah I am and he goes it's brilliant isn't it and I says it's fantastic and he goes there's blood everywhere I love it and I says it's great and he, he just, the end of the phone call was the best but he just went you would have won that with the leg attacks alone you would have won that no bother and then just hung up I was like alright <laughs> it's the maddest phone call ever Don't but it was the fact well. watching it at the same time both thinking the same thing superb human being oh fantastic you are now doing a bit of coaching cab on too. How's that treating you? I am. I like it, to be honest. I um, I started doing it because I was recovering from shoulder injury and it was a way to keep me in the gym because if it wasn't in the gym, I'd just, I'd just be a, a fat fucking mess, I'll be honest. So it, it helped me evaluate my game a bit more as well, to be honest. So I'd be teaching a perfect job. So I'd be saying like shoulder rotation. If you're doing it for boxing, you turn your hip. If for MMA, you don't turn it as much. Knuckles down, turn my shoulder, blah, 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 blah. And then I'd throw a jab and I'd be a little bit lazy. And I'd go, ooh, you can't be doing that. You know, you're teaching these guys how to show up properly. So it's good. It's got me, it's another love interest, to be honest. I think I really enjoy, I really see, I really enjoy seeing people develop. So from them coming in and not being able to do much or not doing the technique 100% to me showing how to do it. It's when they do it, I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. So, so I yeah. do enjoy it. It's tough. It's a lot it, tougher than I thought it's going to be, to be honest. It's really difficult. And you find yourself as well. I don't know. Maybe I could say you do. Sadly, I think you've got a similar personality to mine. Um, you go home and you think about what you've coached. Yeah. And you'll try and then maybe improve on it next time or you come in with a plan and then 
every but every coach does this. You come with a great coaching plan, and something changes, and you're like, oh yeah. bollocks, I got to adapt it. Yeah, got to try and this and do this and do that. And I think that I think for you, it's a good move as well. Um, with a, a gigantic gym such as Carbon, you're going to see the next generation of Darrens, the next generations of Chris Stringers, the next generations of Ali McLeans or Mike Grundy's coming through and have an input into what they do. Yeah, that would be that's the ideal goal by the end. So once I finish with uh, finish fighting, finished traveling, things like that, you know, mm-hmm. competing myself, that's something that I definitely would like to look into, you know, and then have my own world champion, have my own stable of fighters, you know, so from being able to be taught the fighter to being able to taught how to teach and then to teach that on or pass that on. It's evolution of martial arts, isn't it? Evolution of MMA. So yeah, and have your and also have your own brand of coaching too. Because I find that some people take on the trait of somebody who they were coached by. Yeah. And in essence, they're just a clone. Whereas if you can enter enter sort of inject your own sort of brand and your own personality to coaching i think that works an awful lot better it's more natural it's more i hate the term but it's more organic yeah i'm lucky though because with with my coach with carl like i know everyone says this about their coach but call something special like he he, he just understands how to fight at the the like, there is not a question i have asked that man that he hasn't went yeah bop 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 and I go, fuck, how did, how did you come to that? And then I'll think about it and I'll drill it or I'll do it. And I'll be like, but it's all aspects. It's Muay Thai. It's wrestling. It's grappling. It's how to actually mix them. That man is just out of this world. Like, I mean, yeah, if you haven't is. worked with Colin, geez, like, unbelievable. He, as I said, he underappreciated for sure. And Very underappreciated. And I think that's because he isn't as media. It's sort of front facing as some of the other guys. Yeah, I think so. But he uh, honestly, he's, I mean, look what he's, as I said, just look at his, his accolades. Look at the record, yeah. yeah. Yeah, look at the record. Um, I would love to get him on the show, actually. He's such an interesting dude, but I know he probably would never do it because I'm like, fuck <laughs> off, I'm not doing that. No chance. Um, if I'm not going to get interviewed by UFC, I'm not going to get interviewed by some fat prick in Belfast. <laughs> <can> fuck off. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, so that's any chance of uh, there ever being a cab on Belfast or Cab on Northern Ireland with Chris Yeah, to helm. for sure. Something something that uh, I'd definitely be be interested in. Um, anywhere in the world, to be honest. Obviously, it's nice to go home as well. But there's a lot of gyms now back home, isn't there? I see a lot of up-and-coming fighters. Yeah, they're, they're getting... What I've noticed is the standard of amateur fighters in Northern Ireland is really, really high. Look at Tiernan and Caelan. Yeah. They yeah. are a minor portion of what's really taking place they yep. they've come from a gym i didn't even i haven't heard of before and, yeah um, Kaelin came over and i was like fuck me she's good reflection yeah. they are very good and they're but the one thing you and i talked about this before is how fit the guys from confliction were yeah and that, that's fucking 70 percent of the battle and he's got adapted yes. both those guys have aptitude to learn so the, the fantastic you can see that in, yeah you can see willingness to learn and, and dedicated to put the hard work in it's a winning combination you know, people give Kaelin a lot of shit about having a big ego, but the lack of ego has led <laughs> Northern Ireland. Yeah, of course. No, yeah. no, I mean, uh, I love him really, but um, as I said, it's 
<laughs> if you're not going to be getting shit when you're an MMA fighter, I mean, you're probably not doing something right, are you? Let's be yeah, honest. Or else you're in the wrong game. Uh, but he's one of a new breed of, of Irish mixed martial artists. Um, Northern Irish mixed martial artists but that I see up here coming from all gyms. You're going, like, where the fuck is that gym? Norman Park there had a, had a gym that he's coaching in. So you're going to see, guys, if the standard of combat that Norman Park can produce, holy shit. You imagine that if he can transfer that into coaching. Obviously, he was coached by Rodney Moore as well. Um, so you're going to end up seeing a much, much higher standard of fighters again, and they're you know, spursed with people who have fought at a very high level. And that's why I thought about you. Is there a chance of seeing a, a cab on Belfast with Chris Stringer there? Yeah, for sure. Just um, obviously logistics and planning and fight career, obviously, all, all come yeah. in first. But for sure, it's definitely something on the cards. Perfect. Um, I would love to see that. I'm sure people in Northern Ireland would love to see that too and have the return of the menace back here. Maybe one more fight back here and then have this grand opening of hopefully Cabo on Belfast. I would love to see that. I think it would be a great genesis for you, or it would be a, a new genesis for you, plus a good finish to what you have built over the last, what, 15 years? Fucking long, 20 years. I've been doing yeah. this 20 years. Not much. Two decades. My, my first, first ever fight was um, Owen Roddy. That was my first ever MMA fight. Crazy when you think about that. I was like 16 how, at the time. Yeah. What was that? Europa Hotel. No, no, it wasn't. It was in the Balmoral Hotel. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Greg Lochran fought on that as well, knocked out. Yeah. I was, uh, that was actually my fucking fight, but I broke my ankle the day before in a grappling tournament like a dickhead. And that was, I was supposed to be fighting that guy. I was gutted. And then Greg, do obviously. This, do you not remember Emmett and Big Rodney were the uh, main event? Yep. Her head was going through, the ring got put through. It was like, do you know what that reminded me of? It was like a WWE event. Anything it that it was the only thing they didn't do was hit each other with a steel chair. It was tremendous. Exactly. Oh, brilliant, fantastic. That fantastic. was it. That was like literally whenever people were leaving that show, that was one of those crazy tight knit shows as well. All that people yeah. just were like, what the hell is going on? Couldn't believe it. Just just actually thinking the great fights. I listened to the pod, one of your podcasts and they were saying, you asked the question, like, what fight do you remember the most? And I, in my head, before you even said it, it was uh, Vincent. Oh, no, it was. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, Hakim Hansen. Hansen. Raffles the Rose. Oh, my God. That has that been is- most insane fight. I'd answer that my see as you were answering that question, I was like, this fight speed. And then you said that I was like, oh Jesus. But you know what? This is a selfish thing for me. And everybody who's fought must have some sort of ego. There is some sort of little fucking kernel of an ego somewhere. It's a selfish thing for me because I had fought John Dean before that, like two fights before that, and I knew that was a good fight. I fucking knew that was a good fight. It was so exciting. <laughs> even because I was in it. I knew this is this is looking good, and the crowd were really, really into it. And whenever I came back out, people were like, "Holy fuck, great fight, amazing fight!" You know, and they were doing the same thing with John. And I was like, "I'm gonna get fight of the night here, fucking yes!" And I remember sitting down in blinding, <laughs> in blinding agony with a fucking misshapen tooth and fucking swollen hand, cut eye, going, "Yeah, I'm fucking cool with a beer in the hand." <laughs> and then watched baffles, and that happens. <laughs> and then watched these two, and we're like, uh, first of all, yeah, first of all." Holy shit, that's amazing. But also, fuck you too. How dare you? That was absolutely amazing. I wish, you know what, though? That, that footage is gone as well. I wish we could find gone. that fight. Gone. Yeah. Best fight I've ever seen. 
entire uh, life. That, that, and, I, and you know what else? I'm glad that there's no footage of it because I don't want it to fuck up my memory of it. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. My, you, know, you probably watch it back and go, ooh, that was shit. I remember <laughs> that. Or, or worse, they'll, they'll go, oh, we've got your footage of your fight and watch that back and go, that was shit. So those were, those were the, that was the greatest actual MMA show I've been at. That was one of the best. Was Greg Lockin fought Phil Gilday. It stopped early on against um, by Phil Gilday as well. Paul Murray fought Lee Thurfel. Do you remember Lee Thurfel? Name sounds familiar. I, do, I tell you who I do remember though. I do remember. Or was Lee McGinnis? Lee McGinnis he fought. Yeah, and didn't didn't Kavanaugh fight on the show as well? He fought on the one in Portsmouth. He fought. Oh, Kavanaugh didn't fight in that. So Dave Roach then was supposed to fight on it, but he had the pillars. Dave Jones fought Michael Heaney. Remember Michael Dave Heaney Jones. knocked out Dave, Dave Jones? Um, that was a cracking finish as well. That was a very underrated fight, um, a great yeah. finish. But there were some wonderful fights on that. You had, obviously, Tom lost to Daniel Bergman. There was like, some other what tremendous year was fight. That was 2001. 2001. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a phenomenal fight. Phenomenal show. Or was that maybe 2002? That was 2002, I think. Yeah, I started. Well, I started fighting in two thousand and three. Sixteen years yeah. old. That was a year before you started. Yeah. It, you've had a fucking phenomenal MMA journey, and it's not over yet, which is the best thing to hear. There's a lot it's of exciting hopefully. thing, isn't it? Yeah, fucking. I hope the best is still. I, I believe that probably the best thing for you now is still to come. You know, yeah. um, new promotion sponsorships and healthy is the most important thing. So I think those are three factors that are going to make these next hopefully three years um the best for chris stringer yeah i agree let's just get back to the gym as soon as this shit's finished there yeah it's, it's off. um i was talking to kira about that i said what is, what's the first thing you're going to do you know when this virus pisses off and she was like book a holiday <laughs> <laughs> really and she was yeah. like what are you gonna do i was like i'm gonna go to the boxing club but she was like there's something fucking wrong with you really? like, yeah <laughs> So I'm going to ask you a couple of very quick fire questions. You're a gamer as well, okay? Yeah. Um, Tekken, Street Fighter, or Mortal Kombat? Oh, Tekken's blown out straight away between Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Two different games, man. You can't, you can't compare them. One's fast arcade, the other one's brutality, smash your skull off. Yeah. If you had the if you if you had the choice, though, there was the, they got gun to your head, Tekken, or sorry, Mortal Kombat, uh, Street Fighter. You got Mortal a right T-shirt on. Really? Yeah. Just it's more, it's gorgeous. The backstory is sick and the art's pretty sick. I love the artwork. Artwork's phenomenal. Actually, there's a really, I was talking to Mel Brown from uh, Super Rad MMA. Um, there's a great YouTube site called 616 Entertainment, the American mm-hmm. dude, and he breaks down quite a lot of Mortal Kombat mythology and stuff. It's very interesting. For a nerd like me or you, you'll fucking love it. Yeah. Um, so, best book you've ever read? Um, see, quite like Frank Bruno's autobiography, which is a weird one because he's not a fighter I ever fully, really looked up to. But um, he talked about a lot of things. I think every fighter's gone through the high points, the low points, being scared before a fight, the um, the self, the self doubt and the self destructive patterns, and and not believing in yourself, and then to go out and actually win a world title after that. I think he won the good one too. Yeah, so I thought that was. But that was quite interesting. Um, what else have I got? I don't know, I've got a lot of books here, to be honest. You have a serious amount of books there in your nerd yeah. room, same as me. A lot here. of nerd stuff too, though. It's great, though. <laughs> um, 
I don't really read a lot of fiction books, to be honest. I read no, comics, I, don't, I don't really like fiction books, to be honest. What's the uh, best film you've ever watched? <sighs> Too many. Too many. Okay, three genres. Comedy, thriller, and horror. Comedy. Ooh, comedy is... See no evil, hear no evil. For great sure. Um, horror. They live... Uh, the Thing Where They Live. I think I can't... Two John Carpenter, absolute crackers. Yep. What was your other one? Action or something? Thriller, thriller or action. Thriller. One. Yeah. Ooh, thriller. I've been watching a lot of thriller movies recently, to be honest. Um... I don't know. I like all the weird stuff that I grew up watching, like in the nineties. So anything yep. sort of like striking distance, lethal weapon, anything like that. But I love yeah. obviously all the new stuff. Um, don't know. Too many to choose from. Perfect. Uh, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go. But before we let you go, where can people find you on social media? Um, it's all the same thing. Menace Stringer. That's it. Nothing else. So. Facebook, Instagram, all, all the usual things all there. Uh, is there anybody you want to give a shout out to? Sponsors, friends, family, yeah, gym? Friends? I'd like to thank, obviously, my wife, one, for putting up on me because it's been a long journey and I haven't been easy. <laughs> yeah, listen, before, actually, before we, before we finish, Lynn as well, um, your wife, long-suffering wife, Lynn, anybody whose partner who competes in mixed martial arts is long-suffering. But Lynn is now taking part in uh, a lot of grappling tournaments and stuff, yeah. so... Yeah, so good for Lynn as well. So she's now equally swapped over. Do you want to she's equally good as well. I'm going to say this low, she can't hear me. She's far better on the floor than I am. And she's only been doing yeah. it a couple of years. Oh my God. It's horrendous. She's so good. And she's done a lot of training with my coach as well because um, she'd be smaller and not a lot of guys want to go with her. So he'd go with her. And the way she moves, I mean, she's a blue belt in BJJ. She's been a blue She's only she got a blue belt after like a year two years or something she's unbelievable um but she's just very very athletic as well so she's not like an explosive style fighter because she's been used to getting pressure and squashed her hips are just unreal so yeah she's absolutely killer yeah so give a shout out to your wife uh, sponsorship any sponsor yeah. you want to give a shout out to OnePlus I want to give a massive thank you to OnePlus um, currently use their phones and I'm brand ambassador for them it's uh, I think I'm probably the first athlete this wants to be honest let alone thank fighters you. so yeah. I hope so um, I think I want to thank obviously Mark and Craig and, and Julian and all the guys there from OnePlus because without them um, it makes fight camp a little bit harder so yeah. huge thanks thanks there as well uh, I also use a OnePlus phone and have done for about three years and I've got to say I'm not sponsored by them but if you want to give me some money absolutely <laughs> um, I absolutely love the phone love the camera it's a fantastic piece of kit so I think that that's a, a fantastic sponsor that you have there too um, so obviously is there anything the boys else in the gym as well obviously they're uh, coaches um, Grundy, Carl, Aspinall all, all the sparring partners there's a lot of people who train who don't get a lot of thanks as well like I said like, like Ali who's who's not on the mat for the session but will help and coach and guide and people like that everyone in the gym yeah uh, there's such a such a massive thing behind any fighter mma that a lot of people yeah. don't get thanks so no they don't all uh, the guys. i agree with you, with you. No, ali's coaching some dude from the script or something isn't he yeah, well, yeah danny from the script yeah unbelievable so good move for ali there too hopefully it all works out listen chris all it leaves me to say is you can find us on the socials and that is a thing, by the way. People have got fucking socials, you weird bastard. That's not a thing. <laughs> uh, 
on Instagram at Not Another Fightcast and on Facebook at Not Another Fightcast. We also have a YouTube channel now, which we will upload this to. And again, that's just Not Another Fightcast. We only have one video, and it's myself and Jack from Super Rad MMA discussing some of what the fuck is going on in MMA during this weird, very odd time. But listen, Chris, it's been wonderful to talk to you. Um, Jim, that memory lane there. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And we'll definitely have to do this again, especially when you eventually open this gym in Belfast and get into a few more things with you times of what wonderful times we did have so listen thank you very much also you can find me personally on anti-social media at the icon 77 on uh instagram and you can find my co-host mr phil campbell one of simply one of the best commentators in the game at the minute he is also along with nolo keith producing some hilarious hilarious fight commentary videos of street fights which are fucking hilarious i know we shouldn't condone violence but it is incredibly funny you can find him at pc underscore commentary as well one of the best commentators in the game chris we've been not another fight cast thank you very much for your time today thanks see you later